Welcome, friends. My name is Debbie Lawrence, and this is episode 17 of the Compassionate Leader School podcast. Here's something I really, really believe that all roads lead back to communication. In work as in life, if there's an issue, a hiccup, a breakdown, a misunderstanding, you can be guaranteed that at the root of it is an issue related to how those who were involved communicated with one another. When you add to this the result of research that indicates how business owners spend somewhere between 50% and 80% of their time communicating with others, it becomes critical that we invest time and effort into developing and strengthening our interpersonal skills each and every day. I've led enough workshops and programs with business owners, managers, and employees over the past 35 plus years to know that the struggle along with the desire to be a better communicator is real. I especially hear women in leadership roles share stories about their challenges to do things like set and honor boundaries of not knowing how to ask for what they want. They talk about working to strike the balance between doing what's best for the business and being fair to employee requests of learning to say no and not losing sleep over the fact that they said no and so much more. My client Zoe is a prime example. Zoe is a smart woman who has grown her giftware business into a strong, customer-driven, competitive operation with a consistent increase in annual sales and profitability, which leads to an impressive bottom line. Having prospered in the quite volatile retail sector for almost a decade, Zoe recognized that her employees have been a key ingredient in the company's success. When Zoe asked me to coach her, her primary goal was to develop skills to more effectively deal with her employees. Zoe, like so many women in business, was torn between her role as a business owner who felt compelled to do what was best for her company and her role as a fair and compassionate mentor to her employees. She had a staff that consisted of all women. Two were married with young families. One was caring for her mother who suffered with Alzheimer's disease. Another was a single parent of three. One was pregnant for the first time. And Zoe's admin assistant was single and had a pension for nurturing a busy social life. Adding to the mix was the fact that many of these employees had been with the company since its earliest days. In fact, the most junior employee had been hired some two years before my initial session with Zoe. One of the main reasons her staff told me they stayed with the company was the level of flexibility Zoe modeled. Employees could freely switch schedules with one another, and whenever a family issue arose, Zoe's compassionate nature shone through. The only problem with this was that the Zoe I met was a woman who was overwhelmed and quite frankly, a little worn out. She felt like she was holding everything together by herself, that some of her employees were starting to take things for granted, and the scale of fairness she had worked so hard to balance had been lopsided for some time. I remember her saying to me during our first conversation that it seemed as though she was paying them and then always picking up their slack in order to just keep the business functioning. 
Amongst her most pressing issues was the situation with Anna. Now, Anna's mother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and as an only child, Anna had decided not to place her mother in a long-term care facility, but to care for her at home by herself. As Zoe's bookkeeper, Anna held a, a really important and central position in the company, but for the past six months, her mother's increasingly demanding care resulted in frequent and prolonged absences from work. Now, a conscientious person, Anna had chosen to take work home when she was away from the office, but then this led to new concerns for Zoe. Frustration had been building as Zoe was tiring of not being able to readily access data and documents and the bookkeeping was becoming less and less current. And then there was a whole concern about privacy and security of the company's data. At the same time, Zoe appreciated the personal dilemma Anna was facing and wanted to support her loyal employee of five years. Next came Yvonne, the administrative assistant. She was fun and thorough with her work once she understood what was expected of her. However, Yvonne was slow to grasp new processes, which Zoe had attributed to a lack of attention during training. Whenever Zoe tried to address her concerns with Yvonne, her admin assistant would cry and proclaim her commitment to trying harder before returning to her desk where it seemed that she would be sullen and withdrawn for days. As a result, Zoe found herself avoiding any form of confrontation with Yvonne. Now, there were other issues related to Zoe's communication style with her employees. One of the sales associates, Tamara, always seemed to challenge Zoe's decisions, especially when she had an audience, such as during a staff meeting. Tamara had an air about her that was characterized as, quote, negative karma by some of her co-workers, yet she was Zoe's leading salesperson, and as the owner of the business, Zoe didn't want to do anything to upset that apple cart. Then there was Barbara, the single mother of three, whose personal life was dominated by drama. Her children were constantly pulling her away to deal with illness, to attend school meetings, to carpool for rehearsals at the dance studio, uh, to cheer her son on at his out-of-town hockey tournaments. There was, you know, she had to care for a sick puppy, and she was needed to referee the numerous after-school emergencies, including the latest episode of eggs exploding in the microwave. Before Barbara's divorce, there had been the occasional request to leave early or arrive late, but the past year had seen the situation, quite frankly, get out of hand. To make matters worse, when Zoe had declined Barbara's recent request for leniency during the busy holiday season, Barbara became indignant and accused her employer of not appreciating her years of service. It was obvious that Zoe needed to develop new communication skills and to know how to define her leadership style. What I wanted Zoe to be uh, what I wanted was for Zoe to become clear about and embrace her role as a business owner and to really embrace and and focus on her responsibility to her business. So I started by having Zoe talk with me about her philosophy of parenting, interestingly. A mother of an 8-year-old and a 12-year-old I was curious to learn about how she communicated with her kids and how she saw her role as a mother. What became apparent was Zoe's commitment to being a great mom. I asked her how she would handle a situation if her eight-year-old wanted to stay up late to watch a television program when she knew he had a spelling test the next day and he didn't do well with a lack of sleep. Without skipping a beat, Zoe said that she would explain to her son the importance of getting an appropriate amount of sleep 
and would offer to tape the program as a compromise. I remember how she looked directly at me and proceeded to firmly state that her job was to be their mother, not their friend. And even though she often had to make unpopular decisions at home, she never hesitated if she knew they were the right decisions. That's just what a good parent does, she said. Well, I use this opportunity to remind Zoe of how strong yet compassionate leaders are those who choose to also make the right decisions for their business, even when they are not the most popular decisions with others, including their staff. Just as children without boundaries are often rebellious and struggle with a lack of structure, employees also yearn for clearly defined boundaries. They actually like a certain level of structure. They need to know the general parameters of their position, the scope of their authority and their autonomy. They need to know what's expected of them. They also want to know the rules of the game and they want to know that someone is at the helm steering the corporate ship in a direction that will keep them out of rough seas and bring them to the destination that's been charted for their ship. I reminded Zoe that there would always be times when her decisions and subsequent actions would be different from others. That didn't make any one person, including her, wrong. They were just different. The reality was, as the owner of the company, Zoe had what we call legitimate power because of the status of her position. Legitimate power is when you have power simply because you're in a certain role or you hold a certain title. And as such, she was entrusted with the responsibility of making decisions, setting policy, and developing a strategy to guide the business's growth. In fact, Zoe's greatest challenge would not be in making decisions, but in successfully communicating these decisions along with her thoughts and ideas and rationale. As I discussed in previous episodes of this podcast, I stressed to Zoe the importance of being clear about her intentions. For example, if her intention was to control spending so that it protected the financial well-being of her business, it would be wise to implement a system where purchase orders would require her approval for all spending in excess of, say, $200. If, on the other hand, her intention was to control every aspect of the operation out of fear that an employee would make a potentially harmful decision, the purchase order system would be built on resentment and lack of trust, and chances are it would fail because there would be a lack or absence of support from her employees. Therefore, in the beginning, I worked closely with Zoe to help her determine specific goals and to identify the intention fueling her desire to achieve each of these goals to ensure the desired congruency or alignment was at play. It was also important to assess her staff to ensure they each possess the appropriate skills to communicate well. Given that communication is a complex two-way process, it is imperative that employees be provided with any training needed to close communication gaps. As a result, Wendy, one of her sales associates whose sales had always been the weakest, was enrolled in a retail sales program. Wendy was excited to learn new skills and she brought some great tips back to share with her co-workers. Zoe eventually saw a significant improvement in Wendy's quarterly sales during the period following this training and knew it was a good decision to have provided Wendy with this opportunity. To further support our work together, I encouraged Zoe to focus on ensuring she was creating an environment or culture that supported effective communication. There are There was always a great deal of trust and openness amongst the staff. I wanted Zoe to build on this by highlighting it and reinforcing examples of good communication practices. Ultimately, 
It had to be a top-down initiative, and that demanded Zoe's total, unequivocal commitment. So often communication is taken for granted, and Zoe's willingness to make it a top priority resulted in her staff recognizing its importance. As for Zoe's personal leadership style, I encouraged her to establish clear, clean, and concise lines of communication. To support her professional development, I offered a number of strategies and techniques she could try. It started with Zoe seeking feedback about her personal communication style, one of my all-time favorite exercises. I have my program participants do this. I have my coaching clients do this. So I wanted her to meet one-on-one with each of her staff and to ask them really important questions related to how she communicated. So I wanted her to ask things like, whenever we're exchanging ideas, do you walk away with a clear understanding of what I'm saying? Is there anything I should stop doing because it has a negative impact or interferes when we're talking with one another? And is there anything I should start doing when I'm communicating with you because you believe it would help me be a better communicator? She wanted their input on how they could collectively communicate better with each other and even surveyed customers to solicit their perceptions and recommendations. As a result, Zoe had valuable information to work with to begin the process of creating a a really good communications plan. With her staff's input and support, she was able to develop an employee handbook, for example, that included policies and procedures on how issues and disagreements would be handled, how staff members would communicate on business matters with each other, how she would most effectively communicate with them, and how general internal communication would be shared. One of the product products of this was the creation of a monthly one-page store newsletter that to everyone's surprise, Tamara volunteered to edit and distribute. And I didn't say this earlier, but it was really interesting and gratifying for Zoe that when she did this exercise with the employees, after she finished, employee after employee said, so Zoe, if I were to ask you those questions about how I communicate with you, what would you say to me? And that just created a beautiful opportunity for them to have real conversation about how they were communicating with one another. Um, Another outcome was the employee's desire to have regular structured staff meetings. Now, while Zoe had held staff meetings from time to time, they were often impromptu, which meant that If somebody was absent because they weren't scheduled to be at work at that time, they missed the meeting. So they wanted regular structured staff meetings scheduled at a certain time when people would know in advance and everybody would be able to attend. In addition, in her old way of doing things, without an agenda and formal notes, there were often differences in how people recalled what was discussed and what specific decisions were made. So under the new plan, staff meetings were held on the first Monday evening of the month, which was also a time when the store was closed. Zoe was pleasantly surprised that her staff volunteered to come in uh, when they weren't scheduled to work, simply because they wanted to be part of the discussion and the planning for the store. Now, her plan was always to pay them for this time, which she did, but she was deeply touched by their willingness to be there with or without remuneration. They had a formal agenda created by Yvonne, the admin assistant, with everyone's contribution, and minutes were circulated by the afternoon of the following day. After two months, this change reduced tension, frustration, and hiccups rooted in misunderstandings 
and miscommunication. Most of all, Zoe was able to use staff meeting time to talk more openly and directly about issues related to the store, some challenges, some feedback from customers, all kinds of things. And in time, she felt the return of balance in the store. As for the specific issues concerning individual employees, I recommended that Zoe speak with each person privately at an appropriate time and place. I've known of too many incidents when an employer or supervisor um, confronted or talked to an employee in front of a client or coworker, or when the employee was working on an important deadline. It was absolutely the wrong place, the wrong time to have this conversation. This is simply inappropriate and unprofessional. So I wanted Zoe to do it differently. Further, I had Zoe practice what we call, quote, I phrasing. So rather than saying you were inconsiderate when you asked to leave the store early three days in a row, I wanted Zoe to express how these actions made Zoe feel and to talk about it from her perspective, because the end result is that the person you're speaking with will become less defensive or not defensive at all. So given that the core issue was the day in processing, what Zoe learned to say was, I feel frustrated when the day in processing is incomplete. And so it really wasn't about the fact that they were leaving early. It was the fact that she was addressing that the processing that needed to get done at the end of the day uh, was, wasn't always getting done. You know, Zoe was a committed and diligent student. In no time, she was comfortable with her her new language, uh, her new skills, and she engaged in courageous conversations with her employees with confidence. Throughout all of this, Zoe was very patient. She realized that even though she might have a great idea, not everyone would understand and embrace it the first time she shared the concept. Sometimes a staff member would ask the same question more than once. They would forget to take care of something, miss an occasional deadline, or express a different point of view. Zoe's new skills enabled her to focus as much on how she said something as what she said. She also saw that what really mattered was her willingness to cultivate an environment that fostered and nurtured strong communication skills, celebrating individual improvements, and offering support where and when needed. In the end, what Zoe and her staff discovered was that they had been on the same page all along. They just had a different interpretation from time to time of what they'd been saying. They now have new skills that help them navigate their way to common ground. They embrace their differences. They're not making up stories. And more and more, they relish their unique perspectives. Okay, compassionate leaders, that's just the start of how you develop really good communication skills as a compassionate leader. So here's your first takeaway challenge. If you really want to know how someone has been experiencing you as a communicator, be willing to sit with them and like Zoe, ask them these three questions. Number one, whenever we're exchanging ideas, do you walk away with a clear understanding of what I'm saying? Two, is there anything I should stop doing because it has a negative impact or interferes when we're talking with one another? And number three, Is there something I should start doing when I'm communicating with you that you believe would help me be a better communicator? Finally, I want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, please go to my website, debbielawrence.ca and sign up for this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a comment or write a review. 
I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, here's to giving ourselves permission to show up as open, fierce, and compassionate leaders and always to living life abundantly. Bye for now.